All right, so before we start this episode, I want to ask all of you to listen to this. To, uh, please follow my YouTube, which is a Todd Atkins show. And uh, I need more subscribers. I'm trying to get uh, more subscribers to my YouTube channel. If you like my podcast, you'll definitely like my YouTube channel, which has more stuff on it. And uh, today uh, we break down the uh, debut of Power Slap. Me and Miguel Iterati uh, take part in this episode. And Miguel's a veteran matchmaker. He was also one of the founders of Bodog. He originally worked uh, for Abu Dhabi in the beginning of the when the Sheikh was involved. And uh, he's matchmade probably, you know, over 200, 300 shows across the U.S., Russia, so on and so forth. So uh, he's got a good feel for uh, events starting. And we've all seen a lot of events come and go being around the sport since 1993. So kind of give our opinion on Power Slap, some of the you know, some of the controversy surrounding it and some of the things that might be uh, problematic for it going forward. All right, so this is Todd Atkins and I'm back with another episode of the MMA Conspiracy Hour. And this time I'm just going to be here with Miguel Iterati today. Mike is out. Um, and Miguel Iterati of the Lights Out podcast, the best history podcast you can find on YouTube anywhere go to the Lights Out Podcast YouTube. And today we're going to talk about the debut of Power Slap. And Miguel, I wanted you to just kind of start out with your initial thoughts on what we saw. Well, you know, we anticipated it could be a train wreck. And I think that's what we saw. I think it didn't go well for them on any front because, you know, even if it was a joke like, you know, the first Jake Paul fight or whatever, at least they got eyes and they could always hang it on that. But like, you know, the uh, viewership dropped after the previous show, which was a, a wrestling show that, you know, is supposedly a good lead into this type of thing. Um, and generally people weren't interested. The people I know who saw it were not impressed either. That's the other part of it is it really didn't, you know, I, I, the chances of it catching on don't look great from, you know, the people that saw it and, and from the first impact that they've made, you know? So it looks like a big loss on a lot of fronts, you know, and uh, I, I think it, it it's interesting as to why it's even happening. So, you know, I'll let you take it away. Now, one thing before we continue, like you and me were around for the first season, the ultimate fighter. So what do you think the feeling was after the first episode of that versus this? Yeah, no, I don't think there's a comparison, you know, because Many, many people watched The Ultimate Fighter still with that. Like, even as fans, like, if you've been fans for the, of the sport for a long time, you also got that buzz of it's getting bigger, you know? Something you were into has grown, that, you know, other people are catching on, so, like, your love for it, and you know, craziness over the sport is sort of justified. So every fan watched those first seasons of Ultimate Fighter and the growth of the USC spurring them on, even opposing promotions, probably, you know, in some ways rooted for them to do well, because they were still in some ways, the underdog coming up. Now this thing is, is just, like I said, it's just a blob there. It's not like, you know, it's been hot on the underground. Yeah. I, I, I bet you some people made a bunch of thousands of dollars off of some YouTube videos on slapping, but I don't think that, you know, there's a swelling of, of like slap fighting going on. Like, you know, we've got slap fighting from Bulgaria. We've got slap fighting going on in Peru. They're slapping in Thailand. 
Like that that's what happened in MMA, right? Yeah. Is that it took a little bit in, longer for like sudden, Thailand, but yeah. yeah but but it, is 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 that gonna happen now with this power slap? So they're not, not really comparable. Um I think this is more of a Dana White flex, if you want me to explain. Yeah, I want you to explain because this is something I was, you know, me and you were talking about off air. Why would Dana White do this when he spent all this time trying to legitimize the UFC? He is the UFC in some ways, or maybe completely. Why would he risk it? What do you think? Well, I think that he's not as powerful in the UFC as he was within the structure of the corporation as he was when the Fertitas were in charge. So there are people that judge him, that dare to speak against him, you know, in behind circles and stuff, and he's still the face of the company. But I think he's dealing with more internal politics now with a public company than ever. How many executives anywhere could survive backing a slapping contest and two weeks before being caught on video slapping your wife. You know, it, it, that Teflon ability of Dana shows me one thing, that when Zufa sold to, and I, I've mentioned this in other versions of this, but it's very important. When Zufa sold to the new company and the new owners, Dana went along with that and stayed. And that's executed by a contract. And that lawyers made, and who knows how many pages that contract is. But I'm guessing it was a strong enough con contract that Dana could survive the slap fighting fiasco because most people would have been fired for that. And you ask why not him? It may be because he was protected by his contract. And that, that eliminates it. So there wasn't any controversy like they tried to fire him. He, he survived a power struggle. There was none of that. It's probably very clear cut in his contract that he can do whatever the hell he wants until he wants to. And you can't get, I'm not selling you the UFC unless you sign off on this portion of it. So that's why they, they had to bring Dana along. Dana's got some power, but he's got people now that question him. And he doesn't have the camaraderie with the new execs that he had with the Fertitas. I don't see that. And you see it in, in his lack of comfort and bombacity in, in some of his you know, press conferences over the last couple of years. The power slap thing, you know, looks like a loss of money, even though, you know, there's no way he's gonna make, he, I, I don't think it's big money. So like for a guy like him, who they say is worth half a billion dollars, you know, $50,000 investment or something like that, or you know, a couple hundred thousand to put up a TV show, even a million dollars invested in this, really not that much money to him. But I think what it, it does also show is the power of his contract. Because why would the UFC, why under the Fertitas would he lend his name and his image to another entity? He would never have done that with the Fertitas. He always worked against that and bringing everything under one flag. The UFC, he's faced making sure his matchmakers are not interviewed. They, now, Joe Silva never did a public interview after a certain point. He was the face. And, you know, I don't know that that's under the new execs that they may not want it that way, but he still has that power. And I think that this power slap thing 
could even be a show of, of force where he says, yeah, you know, I can do whatever I want. I'm even going to go start this other league here and blow some money there, make some public appearances, yeah, maybe slap my wife around for a promo. Who knows what he's saying in the background or why he's involved in this. But I think it shows, you know, uh, you got a partner, you got bosses, you got people there, and you've got an ability to show uh, it doesn't matter. I can do what I want. I guess that's really only thing that shows me is that Dana's got a real powerful contract still, even though he's probably, there's no way his current uh, executive crew around him that guides the UFC and the, you know, public company and all that stuff. There's no way that all those people march to Dana's drums like the Fertitas did. Not that he, the Fertita, you know, him and the Fertitas were friends. They had a relationship. He could spend the Fertitas money and the Fertitas wouldn't get mad at him for doing it. You know, they understood they were in, involved in that. You can't, they, it's doubtful his relationship with them is now, is, is that. It's much more corporate. Dana doesn't like it. But he's not going to leave, you know, and his contract assures him of that, or else he'd be gone already because he's he's had a bad year. But this isn't an exit strategy. You just think it's something he's doing to see if it'll catch, and if it doesn't, no big deal. Yeah, and I think I think it, it, even more so the, the possibility that he wants to piss off the people around him is there because his personality has always been relatively take people on. So yeah, you don't like you don't like that uh, you can't fire me after a public incident like that. Yeah, well, you know, I can do whatever I want. You know, it, it, for on a personal level, if if I was in a situation, you know, I'm, I don't have money, I, none of that. But if I was backing a league, and the week before I slapped my wife because I was drunk, and it got out, I think I'd have pulled the plug on the whole thing just out of embarrassment. Because it's just a lowbrow thing, so I don't I don't understand why go forward with it unless it's definitely to piss off your 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 current boss. That slap thing it almost seems like it was planned. I mean, I don't know anyone who would do a promo with their wife slapping each other, but it's the timing of it was crazy. Yeah, you know, it's hard <laughs> to say it's a promo, right? It should, but it should it should have been more of a black eye than it was. Again, Teflon yeah. Dana. What gives Dana that power? I'm certain that Infinity is, there, is the name of the company. I, I don't want to get it wrong. I know it's something like that. No, Endeavor. Oh, Endeavor, that's what it is. I, I apologize. But Endeavor um, certainly has a contract that they signed that they wish they had. You think so? Yeah, that, I, I think it's a natural first does this contract exist? Because, you know, Dana's never said my contract, you know, protects me. I, I I can do what I want. He says that I can do what I want. I don't have a boss, but he doesn't go out and say that. But so does the contract exist? There are hints of it. I mentioned it to Joe Rogan has come out and said his contract, when the new company took over his new contract with the new company states that if Dana leaves, he leaves. So if Joe Rogan has a contract, you think Dana does it? Right. The Dana contract must be much more complicated. When Art Davey left the UFC, there was at least, uh, you know, one of the dealings in there was a non-compete clause. So it's like he couldn't go off and just start another company on the side because you're not competing with them and they're preventing you in the contract from doing that. So um, 
there are these types of contracts on that. They who would want Dana to leave and start another fight company? It would instantly be competition for the UFC just because of the sheer force of Dana. So he th th that might be in there that he can't start another fight company, which is why you wind up and so I'll do I'll do some power slap. Doesn't make sense. Let me ask you this: like the first episode, I think it had like. 250,000 viewers or something like that, maybe less. Do you think, and obviously a lot of negative publicity, the majority of people I saw, whether it be on Twitter or Instagram, all hated it, even including doctors, people, kind of like almost like the first UFC sort of, but they all hated it because they said it's just very dangerous, you know, for the obvious reasons. Do you think it can survive this stuff? MMA fighting is also very dangerous. But... Right. Right. The effort behind it and the preparation behind it is compelling. It tells a story and it also guides people in 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 staying safe. There's none of that ethos in this in this. You know, uh, you know. I come from a long line. My my grandfather was a power slapping champion. <laughs> any of that even sound like it it would be palatable? Doesn't make any sense. And uh, you know. I think the criminals in this position are, are the commissions and the doctors. How in the world do you approve this in the modern age when we know about CT and things is beyond me. The commission judges this now. You know, is Doug Crosby a judge? Do they have judges? Is Doug, was Doug Crosby a judge for this? Well, Just there now. weren't judges. They had the refs. They had the UFC refs. Um, you would have recognized both of them. I'm trying to remember. Herzog was one of them. And then they had... a. Uh... The black guy, he's an airline pilot, but he also does UFC events. I forgot his name. He was the other one. You know, they had some people there to catch him if they fell over. Um, they didn't have any yeah. judges because I think it was like a best of three slaps, you know? And I think all the matches, I only think one of them or two of them might have went through the full three slap. Most of the people got knocked out in the first or second shot. And the other thing that I saw that was crazy is... uh. They would get knocked out, basically, you know, almost knocked out with their eyes closed, like you would see in an MMA fight. And they would tell them, okay, you got 20 seconds to continue, you know, like yeah. they were giving them a chance to get back up, you know, and after they had been basically knocked out. <clears throat> but yeah, that's, luckily, that's they the didn't let any of them do that. Yeah, that, that's what the commission being involved in this, it's not it's not really a sport. In that there is, you know, there's no defensive aspect to this. They're encouraging you, know, you not to defend yourself. <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah. there's no, it's not a sport. So why is the commission there? The commission's there to charge money, licenses, and this. And why are the referees there? You know, yeah, maybe they're Dana's boys or this or that or the other thing. But here's the problem is, again, touching upon what is the problem with the UFC is their pay scale. It's like, yeah, so you your your guys are still whatever your guys are, the face of the UFC judges, the refs, you know, to a certain extent, if, if they their contract let them, the fighters would be doing the same thing. You know, Patty Pimba is doing interviews for a couple hundred bucks. Why are the UFC's people all out there looking to make extra money and other things? Because the pace, the, because the UFC executives and the structure supposedly keeps eighty percent 
of the income and returns 20 to the fighters and to the, to, you know, to that. So, you know, if, 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 yeah, then so yeah, I grab three, I take $300 or I don't do an interview, man, you know, could you imagine Derek Jeter asking you for, you know, 300 bucks for an interview? No, I mean, either they give it to you or they don't, but if they're, they're scrounging for cash and that's what I think that the right, the refs are certainly going to be in a situation where probably they're like, yeah, you know, it's cool. I do UFCs and stuff like that, but if I can grab a gig and an extra payday, you know, I could use it. I got to pay bills and that's what that is. And, um, you know, he, may, he makes use of his guys and people grab an extra payday. That's the buddy system. You know what I mean? That's what the commission does. Because with that is is a bunch of commissioners, assistant commissioners, people in the locker rooms. You know, you, you don't want these guys taking any drugs before they come out and get slapped. You know, they got maybe do they pee test? Do they do? They they probably have that bureaucratic structure set up already, and that's what's embarrassing because you know this is something that the commission should have outright said no to. Why do you think they said yes? Money. Money, yeah, money. Absolutely. Right now, I bet you every slap fighter who's on the card at some point sat in a room with the boxing commission, filled out a license paperwork, and paid seventy five dollars for their license to be an active commission athlete in the state. In in the state, and three months ago, the Nevada Commission did not have any money coming in from power slapping, and now they do. It might be a few hundred dollars. And that's how low and embarrassing this is. Now, Dana, the, here's the other part is, is Dana probably, in order to start the promotion, also went to the commission and put a few thousand dollars on bond and who knows what else, but at least $10,000 are on bond holding it, the promotion, you know, responsible for being a promotion under that. The, the boxing commission gets to manage those types of paydays and that's how they make their living in boxing. And now when MMA came along and they figured out, hey, we could charge licenses for both. That's when they came aboard, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in mass. And that's why they came aboard here is because Dana said, look, you know, license is this. You can make this amount. This is the amount of money. You got another show, paydays for a couple of refs. You guys can put another couple of refs in there. The commission gets, you know, name the commissioners working the event. They all get a payday and stuff. Dana's taking care of some people without the UFC. It's small time stuff, but hey, that's you know that's how vampires are built by taking care of the little guys, and that's more more or less I think what happens with that. The commission shouldn't be involved. The commission should have known this event, and uh, the only reason they can do it, can be doing it is is for the money because you know. Now the other referee was Mark Smith, and now they think about it, so I'll just mention his name. But one thing, you know, you helped start up Bodog. You've seen a million promotions come and go, you know, over the time that we've been around the sport. You know, I was telling you, I think one of the challenges they might face is that the matches are all kind of the same. You know, one guy stands there with his hands behind his back, takes a slap, then the other guy does. So really, the format of the match doesn't change at all. There's no nuance. There's no, I'm going to strategize this way or that way. It's a coin toss, and then they start slapping. You know, so that's a big challenge. Like that's a big challenge for a promotion to, because usually like boxing, you have different things you can, that can happen. MMA, a lot of different things can happen. These other combat sports aren't like that. This one, 
basically, if you see in one match, you see in them all, it's just how long is it going to go? <clears throat> yeah, it, look, you know, I, 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 I described it as like, you know, it, in my estimation, my humble estimation, this is on the same level as putting, hey, let's have, a, you know, a contest of people lighting their farts on fire. Like, really, I think, you know, that's about the level this is at. Go back 150 years when a lot of even combat stuff was done in carnivals with, you know, unfortunately, freak shows and things. That's another image that comes to mind with this. Right. And I did have the opportunity to promote a show in Russia where we bought uh, Zulu Yino to fight. We also fought in Pride. The, he's the son of the famous Ray Zulu. And this man is, you know, every bit of 6'7", 350 pounds. And there's a shock value to that type of athlete, especially among, you know, when you want to say, how do you get, you know, ticket sales to non-fight fans? You know, fight fan, me and you will watch anything. But guys like that, that spectacle aspect, that's what grabs the attention. And I think that, you know, with big giant guys, even if they're obese or stuff, but guys that are just like you've never seen before, there's weird dudes that have like, you know, in arm wrestling, there's weird dudes that have like one arm much bigger than the other before, you know, I think that they may have been leaning on that to be a, an attraction because that's really the only attraction I'd see. The, it was an attraction 150 years ago because it appeals to something inside of people. Now we've become kind of educated. And we're like, yeah, you know, that's, you know, we try not to do that anymore as a society, but this is a throwback kind of thing. I, I think that's the best I could say about it because what you're saying and what I will repeat constantly is again, this is not a sport. This is like if you go to the carnivals, again, that carnival image, and there's a hammer and you hit the hammer and you're trying to reach the thing. That is more in common with this than real fighting or combat. But you think America's at a tipping point where they would consume that, you know, week after week over a show and then maybe multiple times. They said the the coaches are going to fight on pay-per-view. How many people are going to buy this on pay-per-view? It's sad, right? It's sad. You know, I mean, with enough money backing and stuff, I think that there's an element of the population that doesn't pay that much attention, that they get, you know, hungry for entertainment and on a daily basis, oh, what they come across, you know. So unfortunately, because they're backed by a big corporation, it's not a grassroots thing. Um, yeah, they can, I think they can maybe put it in front of people. But I, like I said, I think it's so ugly and stuff that in general, it, it, should go away it should go away i don't think it's going to get the support i already think it's failed uh, you know you mentioned i, I was with bodog we did 70 shows on cable tv in the united states um we never had a rating that low and we were canceled you know we never had a rating half you know the, our ratings were at least five hundred thousand per show it's considered bad Two hundred thousand is, is is very bad you know, and at the end of the day, if TV decides on in that direction too, they make decisions like that. They're a powerful entity where they can just say, "All right, no more of that." And uh, hopefully that happens because, like I said, this is this is a throwback to carnival type stuff. And like as a society, I don't even think we need it. You know, um, to close on it, you know, there's a, a old movie that I think it's called Idiocracy or something like that. 
where like somebody goes into the future and in the future, the most popular show in America is called How My Balls. And it's just videos of people getting hit in the nuts. So people are thinking that we're getting dumbed down. And I, I, I would hold this up as potentially another example of that. Now, I want to ask you one thing. What do you make of this? Because I know you didn't watch the whole thing. I did. Dana White and Hunter Campbell were front and center in this. And Hunter Campbell's not really seen much with the UFC. You know, he is a little bit in some of these uh, uh, countdown videos every now and then. He's But he was watching every match with Dana in this kind of like a room. They weren't outside watching it. They were watching it from a monitor. You know, and he was sitting right next to him. So they were talking to each other the whole time. What do you make of that? I to, to be honest, I just have to be quite honest. Dana and the way he handles himself is Dana first. You get very little people like who are willing, you know, who are also like, you know, his peers or people. He has never had, well, I bounce ideas off of this guy or whatever, you know. Joe Silva was you know, a guy who could talk to him about fights in the old days, but he was obviously not a peer. <laughs> not, you know, his, his Joe worked for Dana. So I don't know enough about the company. Does uh, Campbell work for, for Dana? Or he's a he lawyer. For... Yeah, I, I understand he's a lawyer. I, I, look, I'll tell you a story about Hunter Campbell for reference and also invoking the Lights Out podcast. We did an interview with Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson is now with Bellator. Corey Anderson beat a couple of people in the UFC and was, you know, looking to move up, get bigger paydays and stuff like that. And they wanted him to fight Johnny Walker. And Corey Anderson said no. He received a contract. He says, he said 100 days in a row, so I imagine it's for a few months. Every day they emailed him a contract with Johnny Walker's name. And every day he turned it down. And they came out publicly and said, hey, he, he's turned down 100 fights. No, <laughs> he's turned down 100 contracts for a Johnny Walker fight. And there are many reasons why Walker was fresh on the, on the roster and not had his moment yet. Now he's had it and faded, but not had his moment yet, but he was rising. And Corey Anderson got called into Campbell's office. Didn't even know who he was. He said, I didn't even know Campbell existed. That's what Corey Anderson said. Got called into his office, and the guy said, one of the lawyers, you don't move the needle. Johnny Walker is the hottest thing we have. If he beats you, we're giving him a title shot. If you beat him, we don't know. We'll build you. So Campbell has a lot of power. And Campbell understands, and he told him, if you win, we'll build you. We'll move your social media and things. So he's in tap with the finances of like what moves needles, what moves moving the needles a euphemism for making money, right? So they he understands that and it, it fell to him to explain it to one of the fighters. But is he doing that for Dana or is he doing that for the corporation and is more of a foil to Dana? I don't know that. I don't know that. That could be a case of you know keeping your enemies close to you than two in a room watching that. You know, yeah, but he was taking a more active role of being a speaker during the show, you know, giving his opinion, you know, that kind of stuff. So okay, I was then, just then, curious, then. why do you think they're bringing him out front and center for this? <clears throat> I, I once I heard his name, 
I've always thought he could be on the short list to replace Dana. I've now more or less changed my mind, and I do think Dana wants to go out like Bob Arum. Um, but they still like they never used a second face to the company. Um, there are, I think that you know, limiting the choices and things, I don't think they could use the matchmakers or anything like that. I think it has to be a power person. And he may be starting to come out and break the shell. It's the first thing I would do if I were in a company with a contract that marries me to Dana is I put somebody to mirror him. Just, just keep do this, do the things, you know, tell me where you do things different. Let's see. And let's see what we got and how he works, you know, and then if he goes away for whatever reason, then we can replace him. But I, I don't, but we don't know. I don't know anything about their relationship. I don't know. Maybe he's best friends with Campbell and Campbell's really into this and Campbell's in 50, 50, you know, I, I don't know. But um, if that's the case, then I think then it's a little bit of a black mark on Campbell because, you know, a guy who's a high up exec like that behind the scenes who's really talking to the fighters about no nonsense stuff and things like that, you know, this was a bad judgment call too. Now, what what do you have coming up on the Lights Out podcast? I don't know. There's uh, always some fun going on, so uh, you'll just have to come and check it out. Okay, well, Miguel, I appreciate you taking time to discuss Power Slap, and uh, for everybody watching the MMA Conspiracy Hour, be sure to check out the Lights Out podcast on YouTube. And as always, until next time, take care. Now, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the MMA Conspiracy Hour. Um, and uh, like I said at the beginning, please follow my uh, YouTube. And uh, you can also follow me if you want to catch some of these live uh, interviews on uh, Instagram at the underscore Todd underscore Atkins underscore show. And I uh, also have a TikTok, Todd Atkins show. So I'm going to upload one more episode of the MMA Conspiracy Hour coming up here. It's going to be the... Uh, the latest on the James Krause uh, gambling uh, controversy.